0: Catholic Connection is a co production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Hope
2: well, we're having a beautiful Tuesday morning. It's Tuesday, September 12, 2023. And hoping you'll keep radio affiliates across the country in your prayers, including Ave Maria Radio, which co-produces this show with, of course, EWTN. And we are just starting our drive. Actually started yesterday. We're in our second day. And many, many of your affiliate stations across the nation and right in your own backyard are having drives this week. So it's a great opportunity to team up with them because we work with the affiliates to bring you great 24-7 Catholic programming and we need each other. So we need your prayers and we need your support. And I always say that when you are going to support your local radio station at the same time, donate to EW10 because they work hand in hand with EW10 distributing the programming for free, by the way, to all those stations around the country, but of course those stations have to pay the light bill and they have to, you know, pay the electric bill, and so they need your support. So just asking you to keep them in prayer on this day, a Tuesday, September twelfth, two 2023. We have a terrific lineup for you today. So excited to have my dear friends Greg and Julie Alexander back with us. They are author, speakers, and marriage coaches, and we are going to talk about communication in marriage on our mornings with marriage this time around. They try to join us once a month, but they're so busy working with couples across the country, they do a lot of work online, and they are available. We'll give you their website if you know someone who's in need of some marriage coaching and, and some support. If they're hitting a rough spot. Greg and Julie can be there to help. So we'll talk about our mornings on marriage and the topic of communication with Greg and Julie Alexander coming up right after the news. And then there is a new movie coming out all about St. Teresa of Calcutta. It's called Mother Teresa and Me. And we're going to be interviewing the executive producer and get a little bit of the scoop. We'll play a little bit of the trailer for you and so you can hear some of the powerful audio. And this is going to be, by the way, released by Fathom Events in select theaters nationwide in less than a month, October 5th. So the tickets can be purchased at fathomevents.com. Again, that's fathomevents.com, and again, it'll be in select theaters uh, when the movie comes out on October 5th. Very, very exciting, and I think that is going to have a huge impact in terms of Mother Teresa being such a well-known, and I say, uh, well, obviously she was an amazing uh, sister, religious sister, but because of her work with the poor and her work in charity, her sisters, Sisters of Charity, which she founded, she's such a much loved figure beyond the catholic world so many people know of her and admire her work that continues today through her sisters so who knows how many people will attend this film and be introduced not only of course to a little bit more about her ministry how it all started the struggles that she had but just to the catholic faith in general Hmm. i'm going to pray that there are people that are going to show up in that theater on october 5th that will have maybe if they grew up in the faith and they've been away for a long time rekindled and want to come back and for those who are not familiar at all with catholicism to maybe give it some thought so that's my prayer but let's pray this movie is successful because talk about a beautiful story of a beautiful life that continues to make a difference to the amazing work that she left behind okay let's take a look and see what we have for the weather and what's going on in that area of our world across the country according to the national weather service Locally heavy rain, thunderstorms, and flooding are possible over the next few days in parts of the northeast and the mid-Atlantic and from portions of the Four Corners region into the very dry area of the southern plains. Hurricane Lee remains a large and powerful storm several hundred miles south of Bermuda, but they say it will affect the east coast with dangerous surf and life-threatening rip currents the rest of the week. So be careful if you're uh, out at the beaches and all in the uh, northeast coast, because it's still rather warm in parts of the country where you can get uh, plenty of sunshine. So just keep that in mind, and we will cover that for you in terms of what's happening with the hurricane and other stories related to it in terms of the weather. It is a Tuesday morning. As I mentioned, you are listening. To Catholic Connection. It's a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Thanks for tuning in. We are going to get right into the news now on a Tuesday morning, again September 12th. Let's check it out. Well, the number keeps rising. Now they're saying well over 2,800 people have been killed, After the earthquake rocked Morocco over the weekend, the death toll expected, as I just mentioned, to continue to rise. Thousands were also hurt as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Offers of assistance continue to pour in from around the world, including the U.S. and officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say so far, thanks be to God, they are not aware of any fatalities. Well, Catholic News Agency is reporting that lawyer and researcher Martha Patricia Molina has charged that the Nicaraguan regime has kidnapped a priest for requesting prayers to the Bishop of Metagalpa. His name is Rolando Alvarez. Now, the Bishop began serving a 26 year, four month prison term in February, if you remember that story, charged with being a traitor to the homeland. Latin American human rights advocates, according to CNA, use the term kidnap for an arbitrary arrest without any legal justification. Now, in a message sent to CNA's Spanish-language news partner, Melina, the author of the report, Nicaragua, a Persecuted Church, stated that the priest was kidnapped by the Sandinista police the night of September 8th. There was no court order that justified his arrest. His whereabouts are unknown at this point. He has recently asked for prayers for the bishop, and that's why they have kidnapped him, she stated. In another statement to other outlets in August, Molina explained that in Nicaragua, the parishes are watched 24 hours a day by infiltrators from the regime. The lawyer also reporting that the Sandinista regime has forbidden the mention of the bishop, his name in masses and in prayers. Pope Francis is appealing for workers to be protected properly in the workplace. And as Deborah Castellanoff Luboff explains from the Vatican, he's also decrying when they are treated like spare parts. He also entrusted them to St. Joseph yesterday.
3: Tragedia, il damming, il
4: Workplaces must be safe for workers and workers must be cared for and protected, underscored Pope Francis on Monday morning as he received members of the Italian Association for Injured Workers while applauding the association for its efforts to promote safety in the workplace and to support victims of work accidents and their families. The Holy Father highlighted employers great responsibility while decrying when corners are cut for profit or when one tries to clear one's conscience or image with charity work, welcoming the Mill members on their 80th anniversary of the association, the Pope recalled that 1943 had been a decisive year for Italy in the Second World War. You took your first steps in that context, he said. Even today, the madness of war causes civilian population to suffer dramatic consequences.
3: Le di che è la guerra.
4: The Holy Father thanked the Workers' Association for drawing attention to the issue of safety in the workplace, where too many deaths and misfortunes still occur. Safety at work, he noted, is like the air we breathe. We realize its importance only when it is tragically lacking, and it is always too late. The Pope said we cannot get used to accidents at work, nor resign ourselves to indifference toward them.
2: In other news this morning, yesterday, of course, marking the 22nd year since the tragedies in New York, Pennsylvania, and Washington, the 9-11 attacks, the Fire Department of New York and the Port Authority of New York City and New Jersey as well honor the members who died in the attacks at the World Trade Center in September 11, 2001. Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh was not with the Fire Department 22 years ago, but says each anniversary, it's getting harder as she gets to know the families of victims and first responders battling 9-11 related illnesses. And I know that if I can feel that way, we can all convey that to, you know, people who are born today, people who were born 20 years ago and and weren't here for 9-11, and to the members of our workforce, that they can feel as I do. The Fire Department of New York has lost 341 members due to related illnesses, but that number, they say, is expected to eclipse the 343 Fire Department of New York members who actually died that day, 22 years ago. And Natalie Millie really tells us that 22 years later and several families of the thousands of people who died in the September 11th attacks are saying that they never miss a memorial service.
5: As people reflect on that tragic day, they also reflect on the unity that came in the days and months after.
2: The incredible sense of patriotism. Um, that's the thing I miss the most. The, the America nine twelve, as they say. The way the country came together after it
5: happened, that, w- that, was, a, that was a beautiful and I hope we get back to that. Everyone has a story. One man saying he was in third grade at the time of the attacks, but makes it a point to walk around the memorial every anniversary.
0: We have so much that we disagree about
6: right now. And I feel like this is something that reminds us that we all have something in common.
2: Since the 9-11 terror attacks, a number of veterans, meanwhile, and suicides are going up roughly tenfold in the interim. The U.S. has waged wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, leaving many with post-traumatic stress.
7: You know, when you're serving, especially if you're serving in a combat zone, you've built camaraderie, you've built friendships, you've built trust in another person, and, and when you get out, that all just disappears.
2: Iowa veteran Support Specialist Coach Daryl McDonald says it makes it very hard for service members to readjust back home. He says finding help through structured programs is hit and miss, but many private veterans advocacy groups are forming who can help uh, win that situation. So very, very important program there. And time is running out, apparently, to avoid a strike against America's top automakers. The UAW Union, United Auto Workers Union, readying to go on strike in just a few days on Friday if the big three do not meet demands on pay raises, pensions, and job protections. Up to 146,000 workers are set to walk off the job if they cannot come to a new agreement, impacting production and increasing prices as well. One estimate says a strike lasting just 10 days, could result in a total loss of more than $5 billion for the country's economy. Brian Shook tells us former President Donald Trump is asking now a federal judge to remove herself from his federal 2020 election interference case.
0: In a court filing Monday, Trump's lawyers claimed the Obama-appointed judge made disqualifying statements while sentencing two people for their roles in the January 6th Capitol riot. They added that those statements would taint his right to a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Last month, the judge scheduled Trump's trial to begin in March of 2024. He's pleaded not guilty to all charges in the case.
2: Congress getting back to work this week on a new government spending bill. Republicans warn that the budget battle could lead to a potential shutdown.
0: We've got to stop
8: the spending that has created this cost of living crisis for working Americans.
2: That's Texas Congressman Jody Arrington, who heads a budget committee. The last government shutdown left 800,000 workers without a paycheck for over a month. And the mayor of New York City warns a financial tsunami is ahead for the Big Apple due to spiraling costs of the migrant crisis. Meanwhile, former New York Governor Republican George Pataki saying the immigrant problem is pushing Democratic Mayor Eric Adams and his city to the brink.
7: I think he's trying to do the right thing, but he's just overwhelmed by what is happening.
2: Meanwhile, he also says that Adams and others dealing with similar problems in their cities need to put pressure on the current administration.
7: If I were the mayor of New York, I'd sue Joe Biden. If I were the governor of New York, I'd sue Joe Biden. It is his failed policies that are causing this problem.
2: Adams is now demanding all city agencies implement budget cuts to help cover the estimated $12 billion price tag to deal with it. Last week, he said this issue will destroy New York City. And again, asked for help from Joe Biden. A new poll, as Mark Mayfield tells us, suggesting just over half of Americans believe artificial intelligence will impact the outcome of next year's presidential election.
6: The Axios Morning Consult poll found 53% of respondents said misinformation spread by AI will impact who wins. 35% said AI will decrease their trust in election advertising. Of that group, 42% voted for Donald Trump in 2020 and 33% for President Biden. This comes as generative AI tools have become more popular and widely available.
2: And tech industry leaders will be on Capitol Hill this week to discuss artificial intelligence. Senators will hear from Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during a closed-door meeting that takes place tomorrow. This comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has prioritized bringing lawmakers up to speed on the rapidly advancing AI technology. And finally in our news segment at just about 9.14 Eastern Time, 6.14 if you're listening on the West Coast, it is a Tuesday, September 12th. Rory O'Neill tells us that at the office, casual clothes apparently aren't just for Friday anymore.
7: These days, 41% of people work in business casual clothing every day of the week, not just Fridays. A new Gallup survey finds about a third are in even more casual street clothes. Roughly a third of men wear uniforms to work compared to just 14% of women. The survey finds life at the office is less buttoned down with just 3% of men or women saying they regularly dress up in suits.
2: It is a Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Check out all our great resources online at EWTN.com. When we come back, what we have here is a failure to communicate. I hope not, so do Greg and Julie Alexander, but if you are having problems communicating in your marriage, they've got some really great guidelines and suggestions. They are with a beautiful ministry, the Alexander House, and they try to come on with us, they're very, very busy, so we do appreciate their time, about once a month, and we call it Mornings on Marriage, and they're back right after these messages, as we say.
6: She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France for almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com.
1: This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter.
8: CMF Curo is the Catholic healthcare
9: option you've been searching for. From concierge service to ethical consultations to partnerships with one of the nation's largest healthcare sharing ministries, CMF Curo offers a pro-life Catholic approach to your overall health and well-being. Find out today if CMF Curo is right for you. Call eight three three GET Curo. That's eight three three G E T C U R O.
8: More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
2: So, the quote I gave you before the break, how many of you know where it's from? Julie and I were laughing during the break because that line, what we have here is a failure to communicate, is a famous line from the movie Cool Hand Luke starring uh, Paul Newman. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't know what it is, but I thought it's a perfect line to use because failure to communicate in a marriage is a huge issue for a lot of couples, and it happens, unfortunately, too often. That's why Julie and Greg, they coach married couples all the time. This is what they do for a living. Thanks be to God. They're such great resources for marriages that are struggling. But communication, Right really, really important, and we're going to discuss this morning the p- importance of communicating in a marriage. Good morning, Julie and Greg. Thanks for joining us again.
10: Hey, good morning, Teresa. Good
5: morning, lady. Good to have you have you have us on.
2: <laughs> yes, as always, always welcome. Okay, Greg, so this topic, why did you choose this for our Morning on Marriage this time around?
10: Oh, Teresa, you know, because every couple we work with, 100% of the time, always have issues with communication. You know, and, and I say that, you know, we... We learn our communication style, if you will, in our family of origin, be it good, better, and different. But coming together, the two becoming one in marriage, very seldom do we have the same communication style. So that in and of itself brings a lot of conflict. And so with couples, we have to always go back and kind of relay the the ground rules, if you will, for how good and best communication can happen in a marriage.
2: Uh, Julie, you, know, you and I um, are very much alike and you know that Dominic and I are, are very different and we communicate differently. I'm just like out there all the time, all over the place. <laughs> He's much more <coughs> subtle and organized and you know, controlled. I, I, I think I'm getting a little bit better at you know, dealing with this after almost 40 years of marriage, but th- that's okay if you communicate differently. You just have to understand, correct, how your partner communicates.
5: That's totally correct, Teresa, because oftentimes because of our differences in communication, couples can too often allow that to be the division. When somebody doesn't speak like you do or think like you do, which none of us do, then that can be a, an opportunity for growth and understanding and sitting down and coming to an understanding. Or it can also, if we use it in the wrong term or the wrong way, We can allow that to become a wedge that drives us further and further apart because then we become irritated and frustrated because you shouldn't say things that way or if you were going to say it, you should say it like this. So many times because we don't have the patience or the skills, in a sense, we don't have the skills to learn how to communicate properly, but communication also takes listening. That's half the battle is to listen and understand and try to hear what the other person is actually trying to get to let you know
2: that's a huge issue Mm -hmm. so Greg you've outlined by the way if you're just joining us on Catholic Connection on a Tuesday morning 20 minutes past the hour Greg and Julie Alexander from the Alexander House were talking about the importance of communication in marriage you've given us four major areas I hope we can get through all of them but number one you've highlighted the importance of honesty in communication so what do you mean by that how much I mean do you just spill everything all the time and what does that look like in a marriage in a healthy marriage do you think
10: yeah, it's incredible, Teresa, how many times we are not able to be honest in our communication in our marriage, and a lot of times because of something Julie alluded to earlier, because, you know, when our spouse comes to us, we may put down, belittle, or disregard what they have to say, so they stop coming to the table, which is the last thing we want to have happen in a marriage relationship. Satan less when we keep those, those intimacies, our thoughts, to ourselves and keep them in the dark. And that way he can kind of morph them and reintroduce them in ways that, that are not intended or perceived to be on behalf of the other spouse. So, again, we have to allow that platform to exist where one or the other can come to the table and say, this is what I think, this is what I feel, this is what I need, this is whatever. And, again, allow that freedom to come to express. And not only the good things, but especially the bad things, because the bad things are used to those issues that we need to work to find resolve so that we can keep the marriage in a good place. And so allowing your spouse that freedom to come to express all things in honesty is the the best thing that's needed in a relationship to allow those issues and, and concerns to surface so that we can begin to have conversation and to find some resolve.
2: Well, Julie, how often, I mean, and how long do, do these, do, and I know there's no particular, like, perfect form, but but sometimes some people can just go on and on and on about a subject when they really need to say, okay, I've gotten it off my chest and I'd like to hear what you have to say about it, but not just go for hours and hours and hours and droning on. I mean, there, there has to be a goal of, of the conversation, right?
5: Yes, that's the issue, Teresa, that we find in marriage. You know, we just come together, we go to the altar, and we say, I do, and think that's it. Okay, we've done everything we need to do. Well, there should be a conversation, communication about every aspect of marriage, about chastity in marriage, about understanding finances in marriage, but also about communication in marriage. Because oftentimes, like you said, we have one or the other that goes on and on and on. The other one stops listening. Then the other one that's speaking all the time gets offended. and And then, again, it goes back to that whole thing. What is the goal? What is the understanding? But both of us coming together to learn from each other, I used to be the one that talked all the time. Now, obviously, you see Greg does. <laughs> but, but we learn we learn from each other because what, the, 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 another word for honesty is truth. And I love what you asked at first, Teresa. Truth is important, but truth without love is too harsh. So too often we right. can try to put our point across. Wanna hear, I want you to hear what I have to say. What in reality in marriage and communication we should come to the table and want to learn the other person's heart. What is the other person dealing with? How can I help you? What is it that I can do to help you really relate to me? What you're trying to get me to understand? So it should be working together, not not devising a plan to divide each other and to not listen to one another.
2: Uh-huh. And, and that then, goes. To... Sure,
5: go ahead.
10: Well, I want to say because that point you just brought up is usually a major issue in the marriage a lot of times, Teresa, because, and, and even in mine and Julie's relationship, and it's typically the case for men, you know, in communication, we just want to go from point A to point B. But Julie, she goes, starts at point A, and then she takes a trip around to the left side and then back to the right side, and then, <laughs> then eventually she'll get to that point B.
5: Because <laughs> all of those
2: details are important, you know that. It the I'm laughing because I do the, the same thing. I do the same yeah. thing. I'm laughing. Oh, my and,
5: gosh, that's
10: so, so But But as you say, but I have had to learn that that's just the way she communicates. And so right. I have to sit there and, and, you know, kind of tap my fingers and kind of look to the side until she gets to that point. Because <laughs> that's just the way that she communicates. So, yeah. you know, just that simple little thing a lot of times can bring that tension in a relationship.
2: Well, it's funny because Dominic was saying, you know him, he's got a very dry sense of humor. <clears throat> okay, honey, I, I know you need to say this, but are we getting to the point at some point in this conversation? <laughs>
5: sure it has something to do with the ending. <laughs> right, you need the
2: details because you got to see the whole picture and put it all together, exactly.
5: right? Exactly,
2: exactly. That's the difference between men and women. Exactly, yep. mostly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's That's so awesome. it's so funny because sometimes, it would, and you know when we give our testimony, we say that we think God put us together for a mere form of entertainment for himself because Dominic Caruso <laughs>
3: it's like okay
2: this is gonna be fun to watch how these two get along and communicate anyway we're having a great conversation and we're laughing because you know that we're very experienced at marriage dominic and i'll be celebrating gobbling 40 years on saturday is our anniversary if you can believe that and greg and julie they've also been married many many years and we've all gone through the four of us the school of hard knocks and thanks be to god because of god came out on the other end of victorious we still have to work at it every single day and we all do no matter how long you've been married. So up next, we're going to talk about charity in communication. Super, super important. Also, when we talk about communicating in marriage. More with Julian Gregg coming up.
1: Father Benedict Groeschel.
7: I don't think people should have negative fears of God. But I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose
9: I was going to take you and introduce you to the pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you,
3: I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty
9: God. These feelings are the feelings Which we shall have if we realize his presence. And in proportion as we believe that he is present,
3: we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize,
7: not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Does your brain appreciate stained glass for more than its beauty? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Early Christians couldn't read or write for the most part. Stained glass windows placed in newer church buildings became Bible teachers. These beautiful works of art inspired and highlighted various Bible stories. According to a study from the University of Waterloo, it isn't just our ancient relatives who enjoyed the symbolism of Christian art. Our brains prefer symbols to words. I know, I'm a visual thinker. Let's face it, we can learn from symbols and we can remember more about what we have seen according to the research. Solid visuals can also help us understand abstract concepts. Maybe you relate to visual thinking too. Catholics often practice Visio Divina, praying with or focused on art. Think of how an illustrated children's Bible makes the job of explaining Holy Scripture and God's plan for us so much easier. For more on this, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net.
2: TheAlexanderHouse.org. They also have a number of ministries within their ministry. Greg and Julie Alexander, marriage coaches, author, speaker. Get their book, Marriage 911, How God Saved Our Marriage, and He Can Save Yours Too. And it's out there and available, and it's a great resource. And if you haven't had them speak at your parish or at a marriage retreat in your area, in your diocese, I highly recommend them. They're engaging. They're funny. And they're very real and just very, very, not only orthodox, but they just love the Lord and the church. And that comes through, and especially they love Jesus and each other. So moving on, talking about communication. So Greg, I'll go to you first. And, and we were talking about this during the break. This has to be affecting the way people are communicating because it, it, we see it in other areas, other relationships, not just with husbands and wives. If you think about the impact of social media and even just the onset of all sorts of media and how people use the media now oftentimes, unfortunately, to just vent at one another, even if it's a family member or a friend and it gets so ugly so quickly. Is that impacting the lack of charity in marital communication?
3: Oh,
10: absolutely, Teresa, because you know, we're so used to getting on social media and just, just saying whatever we feel, you know, not having any filter at all. And a lot of times in our communication in marriage, you know, we kind of adopt that same attitude and, and we we fail to take in consideration how hurtful it, it could be to the other person. You know, Ephesians 4:29 talks about do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And and we tend to forget that because we just want to get up on the crowd, say whatever we feel, and again having no filter. And and we fail to take in consideration uh, how deep we cut with our words sometimes. Uh, you know, we have the power to build up and edify with our words, also to kill and destroy. And too many times, unfortunately, due to social media, we utilize our words to kill and destroy the spirit of our beloved.
5: Well, again, Teresa, I think it's important because that's where it goes back to saying truth and love. You know, we can be truthful, but without love it's harsh. And love without truth is just is, is not real. And so, But we're supposed to be here to edify one another out of reverence for Christ. And it is amazing how when people come in to see us, it sucks. You know, the stonewalling and the criticism and, and, and those types of things shut down the ability to even communicate openly. And I remember one time it was, it literally stopped me in my tracks when I read Matthew 2 36 through 37. And I, I envisioned as I was reading this, standing before God, and literally it said, You will be held accountable for every single word you utter. By your words, you will be condemned. And by your words, you will be justified. And I was thinking, wow, "Wow, words literally, as Greg said, our our tongue has power, as he said, to give life or to give death. And and then it even says the next line, I urge you to give life. We're here to give life, to build each other up, to edify one another, because the world is working us apart. The world is not doing us any favors of being kind and nice. We're supposed to be here in charity, but also to to point out the things that maybe where we can grow, maybe that we need to change. But that's what we're here for, is to help each other grow in holiness.
2: Yeah. So cultivating empathy is the next point you wanted to bring up, Greg and Julie. So this ties right into charity and communication.
10: Yeah, absolutely, Teresa, because a lot of times, you know, we find, let's say we walk in a room, we see our spouse in a less than uh, state, if you will. And our natural assumption is that it must be something I've done. And and without even inquiring about where they're at, we just automatically cop an attitude because we think it's something directed towards us. But, again, starting to to cultivate that that empathy and maybe put ourselves in the other person's position and say, okay, what what has Julie gone through today that's, she gets some bad news, did the kids upset her, <laughs> did I forget an anniversary, or something like that. Again, to put ourselves in the position of the other person as opposed to just assuming that, that it must be me and then coming back with that negative attitude and that negative tone of voice as well.
5: And, and, Teresa, it takes vulnerability to come to the other, to speak in truth and love. But what happens typically in a marriage when there's, there's undone, like there's unforgiveness or there's issues that haven't been discussed um, Greg can come to me and share, you know, this thing really bothers me. I was really hurt by such and such. And instead of me responding to him, I come in a defensive mode. and I say, well, you think that hurt you. Let me tell you how I felt. Let me tell you what I'm going through. Let me, so I'm not really listening, and I'm not, I'm not ministering to his heart or his needs. I'm literally taking the conversation from him and twisting it to be about me. And so many marriages do this because they're not willing to hear the other person because we all have wounds and hurts and pains that we don't deal with. But the best way to get through that is to listen and respond to what the other one is sharing, not listen and defend about our position.
2: It's really about humility, being willing to to come together in humility and and work with each other. Okay, well, we have about three minutes left, and I want to get to this last point because it's really important. Overcoming the challenges, how do we do that, Greg? I'll start with you.
10: Well, again, basically, Teresa, just going back and taking everything that was bad from where you came from, even though sometimes you don't think it's bad, but listening to your spouse, pointing out those things that brings additional conflict, that brings strife, that seems to keep us from having any type of resolution in the relationship. And, again, just going back and practicing these three steps, honesty, charity, and empathy. But, again, importantly, important one that Julie just mentioned, that listening, because a lot of times we, we have grown accustomed in our 36, 40 years of marriage of hearing the other person, But a lot of times we actually stop listening. And so putting down the remote control, putting down the newspaper, or the book, sitting there face-to-face, eye-to-eye, demonstrating that you are sincerely interested in what the other person has to say in the first place. And then in that listening, always listening to, to respond, even if your spouse is saying something that is of a negative nature, don't take it as something hurtful, but see for what it is that they are hurting inside, and now I need to listen and find some resolve to fix that, as opposed to defending why you're at that place, why you say you're doing what you're doing, because then it just, the battle ensues we inviting more strife, as opposed to finding some resolution in the marriage.
5: Yeah, and I would say, Teresa, the biggest issue that we have, and people say it every time, we just don't find the time to communicate. And we will tell them every single you You will never find the time. You have to make the time. Set an alarm. Set a schedule to every single day when you come home from work, when you're done with whatever, 10 minutes. We call it couch time. Because if you do not put that time aside for one another, there is no way you will ever find the time, and it's critical to look in each other's eyes even touch with hands, because communication isn't just the words we say. It's our body language. It's how we we use our tone of voice. All those things impact the ability to communicate well in marriage. There's always mm-hmm. going to be strife because we're two different people from two different worlds, from two different whatever, but we're supposed to come together and work on the same team, not to be against each other and cause a war as the world wants us to.
2: Uh, amen. All right, so I want to leave you about a minute, Greg, if you could kind of... Um, mm-hmm. Give us the idea of couples. I just want to come in, maybe just for you know, really helping them with communication or another issue. How do they get a hold of you, and, and what do they need to do to have that process get activated?
10: Yes, Teresa, I can always find us at alexanderhouse.org uh, our service that we uh, work with couples through is called Marriage Discipling. We're blessed now to have six other couples in English around the nation working to help couples, and then we've also trained out six other couples in Spanish as well. So just reach out to us. Uh, you'll get in contact with Robin Zamora, who is just phenomenal, in receiving the couples who call in to kind of get them where they need to be. And I ask all the questions, get all the paperwork done, and then she refers them out to the various uh, marriage disciples, but we have a seven-month waiting list right now because uh, there's so much hurt and pain out there, people are in need of help. So also for those who are listening, uh, if you feel called to be a marriage disciple and want to help couples, uh, give us a call as well. But Julie and I are also working on a lot of resources now on our website as well. We've got to go. We're going to get
2: cut off, Greg, but thanks again. I'm so sorry. But let me put the website, thealexanderhouse.org, for all of the above of what Greg just mentioned. Communication is huge in marriage. Learn more about it through Julian Greg, thealexanderhouse.org. We'll be right back.
1: Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn.
9: Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does this strange beatitude mean? Well, Father Victor Feltz points out that George Bailey, in It's a Wonderful Life, embodies this beatitude. He has to sacrifice his bucketless items and his dreams in order to save the building and loan company of Bedford Falls. But by the end of the movie, he realizes that he's truly the richest man in town. The Beatitudes challenge our understanding of happiness, both as individuals and as a society. They're paradoxical, and they upend our priorities. We don't need anyone to tell us that good fortune, money, and success do often make us happy. But we wouldn't have thought that the road to riches in God's kingdom is paved with meekness. It doesn't mean denying your gifts, but it does challenge us to allow others to have the spotlight and to approach them with gentleness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth.
1: For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Sanctity
8: is not an outgrowth of a person's political opinions. Sainthood is about the demonstration of heroic virtue, and that has virtually nothing to do with a person's politics. Not all political views are equally good, but whatever your political view, you can be a saint. Because being a saint doesn't mean that you have all your intellectual opinions perfectly formed. It means you have been purged of disordered self-love, and you have put on Christ. The late Cardinal George used to say, the church is not conservative or liberal. The church is, Catholic. Dorothy Day, was she conservative or liberal? Oscar Romero, conservative or liberal? St. John Paul II, conservative or liberal? We have a different agenda, even when it comes to the social order. But our
7: primary agenda is sainthood. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
6: Ray Garendi what is criticism exactly if you pay close attention do you notice what most criticism is oh it's not because you're doing something wrong or hurtful something that needs corrected most criticism is you're not doing it the way I would do it or you're not doing it the way I want you to do it that's what most criticism is And you have to get good at sorting that out. Otherwise, you're gonna get real upset when anyone says anything about what you are doing. Now, of course, you could turn this on yourself. Do you do that? Is most of your criticism a message to someone else that says, you're not doing it the way I would do it? Well, save your criticism for things that are really wrong.
2: Welcome back, Catholic Connection. It is a Tuesday, September 12, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic uh, Radio Network. What do I do? I talk for a living. Let's do that again, shall we? EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. You can find us online at EWTN.com and also co produce with Ave Maria Radio. And you can find Ave Maria Radio online at Ave Maria Radio.net. And don't forget, all of our shows are actually archived so if you want to go back and listen to an interview let's say you want to go back and listen to what julian greg just discussed regarding marriage you can go back to ave Maria and just go to the area of archives and click on the catholic connection image and there you go bada boom bada big i'm so excited to talk about this movie really really exciting it's coming out in october mother teresa and me you can go to fathomevents.com for more information but Terry, and please, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, but Terry Kajianu, am I pronouncing that correctly? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Hey, Terry, yeah, thank thanks so much. much. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you're the executive producer. So I actually had the opportunity when I was an intern at a radio station in the news department in Detroit, where I'm from, to actually meet and spend some time with Mother Teresa of Calcutta, which was huge, oh, of course. Yes, I know. So I'm just excited to see this film. So please tell us about it. it's It's the story of a young
3: woman, Avita, who's a contemporary young woman, lives in London, who suddenly finds herself pregnant and abandoned by a boyfriend. Just at the time that her parents want to marry her, you know, into a good family, according to the Indian caste system. And she's completely desperate and doesn't know what to do. Considers abortion, then runs away and leaves for Calcutta where she's originally from, to meet with her nanny and and find herself. And through her, she discovers the person of Mother Teresa, you know, and and starts reading her books and discovered that Mother Teresa also felt abandoned, and she kind of uh, develops a kinship with with her because she she's just been abandoned. She's trying, you know, to connect with her boyfriend, he just ghosts her. And um and so she starts interacting more, I mean through the readings but also going to the you know, the house of the dying and taking care of the dying woman and going to the orphanages of Mother Teresa and uh so she she develops a new perspective and she does that through her discovery of Mother Teresa. And um what we wanted to do is is really to um to show i mean uh, example of mother teresa and try to inspire the inspire the world um, when they see what this lady uh, achieved this little this small little lady that they feel inspired to to do a small act of kindness you know um just one person um, wherever they are and does create a better world and and we thought you know that Creating this, um, this you know, this the story of Kavita is her name is uh, completely fictional. Um, whereas the Mother Teresa's story is factual. So we thought, as no, you know, the, the youth of today has no memories of Mother Teresa. You know, if you're 30 years old, you don't remember Mother Teresa. And so we thought they could connect more to this historic figure through the eye of a contemporary than directly if we just did a, a biopic. Um, so you
2: have, you have a lot of experience in, in film, in, in movies, 15 years at least under your belt in the New York movie industry in, in particular. So I imagine you, could have, you know, you've, could have done anything in terms of a film. So you kind of gave us the, the overview of what, what the movie is about. But for you personally, what does it mean to do this movie about Mother Teresa?
3: Oh, really, it's it's very idealistic. It's just try to create a better world. You know that's why we put it took us uh, 13 years to make it from start to scratch. Since we had the idea, developing it, you know, storyline, writing a screenplay, raising the money, et cetera. And the, the the ambition was really, you know, to inspire people and change the world, person by person, because we live in such a dreadful times. So many bad news, wars. Internal strife, economic collapses—that we have to concentrate on what is essential and putting, as Mother Teresa would say, love in action. You know, is, it's most likely on the personal level, on the local level, could be on the national level, on the global level. But just get involved and, and you know, as Mother Teresa would say, uh, don't wait for governments, you know, to act. Do it yourself, person to person. And uh, so that's what we're really trying to achieve uh, uh, with this beautiful story, and all the, you know, the, our second goal is to work in the, in the I, you know, in the spirit of Mother Teresa and trying to alleviate poverty. And all the rev- revenues of the film will go to the poorest of the poor, in the spirit of Mother Teresa, and that's why the film was created by a foundation. And we raised the money, you know, the movie was financed entirely through donations, so we didn't have to, we don't have to recoup an investment. So that's really the purpose behind it, why we set out to tell this story. And we thought Mother Teresa is such a great example. Also, the we, we touch upon, you know, her dark night of the soul, you know, this uh, terrible experience of abandonment that she felt uh, for many, many years. And... Uh, Uh, after having, you know, had this closeness with Jesus, was talking to her, who told her, you know, go in the streets, go in the slums, take care of the poor, of the poor. Suddenly, you know, today you would say he ghosts her, you know, suddenly he doesn't answer anymore. And uh, uh, and yet she keeps striving, she keeps getting up in the morning, she keeps, you know, closer to the mission. And think it's very inspiring because it shows us you know not to quit you know today you know she, uh, you you'd say she's a victim you know and everybody feels like a victim and here you she shows us no even in adversity even in doubt you know you keep going You pull up yourself up you pull up your socks and you keep going and this young lady kavita does the same she, yes she's a victim in in, in, in some way but she pulls herself up and takes responsibility and acts positively and turns her, her life around, basically. That's also, you know, an inspiring story for also for the youth of today.
2: Talking with the executive producer, Terry, of this beautiful film that is uh, available for more information at fathomevents.com. And Terry has been in the film industry for 15 years plus, especially in the New York area, on this beautiful movie, Mother, Teresa, and Me. So, Terry, let's talk about the availability for our listeners to go to see the film. I know the information is at fathomevents.com, but is is it one night only? It's opening in October. What's the plan to show
3: the movie? That's right. It's a one night only event. It's like, you know, if a a band, a rock band comes to your town, you have to see it that night. (laughs) Otherwise, you won't see it. And um, we are hoping that, you know, there's a high demand for it. And if there is a high demand, you know, they will extend the run and they'll add showtimes. They need to see that there's an interest for the movie, that the seats are being filled, that there are pre-sales. And when you go to the Fathom event uh, website, you know, you can put in your, your town or your zip code and you immediately find which are the cinemas uh, in your neighborhood that will play. It. And you can, uh, you can order the ticket. If you pre-order, then they say, oh, my God, you know, it's filling up. So they'll say, oh, maybe we have to add tickets. So it really depends on, on, on the people, you know. Um, if they say, oh, we, need, we want to see this movie, such a great idea. Was, you know, We heard so, so many great things about it. Just not wait. don't wait for the game day, you know, just show up at the, the theater. But do your booking in advance. Go bring your family or talk about it in your parish wherever you are, and uh, and try to, to feel, this, you know, feel the seats and make the, and be, be part of this story of success to spreading that message of love and compassion.
2: Fathomevents.com. Thursday, October 5th. It will be in select theaters nationwide. Again, Thursday, October 5th, giving you plenty of time to jot it down and make sure you can check out the website, Fathomevents.com. Now, Terry, I know you love your Catholic faith, and, and you're very, very devoted to the Lord and the Church. In, I'm hoping, in addition to what you just said, that this will give encouragement to to young people, many of whom feel lost, may not even know of or be all that aware of Mother Teresa or St. Teresa of Calcutta. But I also hope that there's people who go to this, maybe who've fallen away from the faith or maybe who aren't Catholic and are being exposed to the beautiful Catholicism that she lived in such a really um, intimate way with so many people in need. I always pray that people who go to movies like this will will kind of rethink their relationship with God or think about even entering... Into a relationship. What do you think? Yeah. Is that something you're hoping for too? Yes, I mean we didn't.
3: You know, as I said, you know, I, I, this is a movie about love and compassion. We we didn't make um, how shall I say uh, a, a Catholic movie. You know, for the you know just for the for the choir. You know, we tried to tell her story. Um, in a, in a beautiful way, as a movie that's open to the world, you know, in that sense, Catholic. And we hope that as many people as possible from all, you know, uh, walks of life and religious backgrounds see this movie and feel inspired by the example of Mother Teresa um, and by what she did. And maybe once, she, you know, she, once. They consider and maybe think about what she did, and then maybe they ask you say, "Well, why did she do it?" You know, and then maybe then they'll go on a on a personal a spiritual journey. You know, um, but just by following her example and you know, love love your neighbor. You know, by doing the small act of compassion wherever you are, that's a, what, already acting. You know, in a, in a um, yeah, in the most Christian possible way. You know. That's what we're called to do, you know, to, to love our neighbor.
2: Yeah, I think, too, this the way that you said the small acts of kindness and, and very similar to the way of, you know, St. Therese, you know, doing uh, little things with, with, with great love. And, and sometimes love, it's very yeah. easy for us, you know, to get caught up in, in the big scheme, not that we shouldn't be worried about the world, but it starts with making sure our house is in order and that we're following the church and we're doing what we're called to do individually. Because if we do that, then that, as we saw with Mother Teresa, can have a huge ripple effect, right?
3: Yeah, because if if you say, oh, I, you know, everybody's time is limited, everybody's very busy. If you say, well, I don't have time to start a foundation. Well, it's not what, or, or to start a big work. But you know, say so you could help somebody buy his groceries, or visit somebody, uh, one of your neighbors, alone or sick, or you look after him, or you just smile to somebody. You know, in on the, uh, <laughs> you know, on the subway, um, right, just a small that acts of kindness, make the world better, make Absolutely. each one feel worthy, you know, and uh, accepted in, in his dignity as a human person, because he's been recognized by somebody else, you know, who says, oh, I exist.
2: Which is what she did. It I mean, she recognized, yeah, yeah, she did that. She recognized people, even in the in the worst conditions and when they felt so alone and So rejected by society. Well, I hope this does extremely well. Check it out, folks, at fathomevents.com. The movie is Mother Teresa and Me. We've been interviewing the executive producer of this beautiful film. Again, there is a limited selection here on October 5th, okay? It's going to be in select theaters across the country. So you have October 5th. Put on your calendar. Jot it down. Also go to the website fathomevents.com. And as Terry said, maybe make it a parish event. Let your pastor know about it. Do a group thing. Maybe it'd be great for, you know, converts coming into the faith to learn more about this great saint now, St. Teresa of Calcutta. And so many people our age, as Terry said, know who she is. And we've seen her in the news. We've seen her in so many e- events that she did and, and speaking all over the country and all over the world. But what about the young people who don't know? How about bringing your youth group to see this film? October 5th, in select theaters nationwide, fathomevents.com. Terry, God bless you for your work. I hope it's a huge success and I know Mother Teresa is shining down on you and what you're trying to do here. We'll be right back on a Tuesday to let you know what's coming up on a Wednesday. Stay tuned. Fathomevents.com Check it out October 5th.
0: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can
8: care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the
7: web at visitingangels.com. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a Fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org.
0: You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nalman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, "You'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ." More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link.
2: Wrapping up a September 12th edition of Catholic Connection, co-produced by Ave Maria and EWTN. Fathomevents.com. Check it out October 5th and select theaters Mother Teresa and Me. Coming up tomorrow, Joan is traveling, so we will be visiting with an amazing attorney who fights for religious freedom. Rob Muse from American Freedom Law Center with some really good news for a change. Adomari. Talk to you on a Wednesday.
1: You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit avemariaradio.net. That's a v e maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.